Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I love your podcast. This is gold. This is where it's at. Happy Monday and welcome to another episode of the Bits of Gold podcast. Super excited for this one today. Today, my guest is Brandon Snower. Brandon is a 25-year-old entrepreneur and founder of New York's newest men's clothing brand and club, Lal Free. Before starting Lal Free, Brandon worked on Wall Street analyzing financial models, waterfall performers, and Excel spreadsheets 80 hours plus a week. He soon left realizing his passion was meant for something he had never expected and had no prior knowledge or experience in fashion. Brandon graduated in 2019 from Northwestern University with a bachelor's degree in learning and organizational change. This was an awesome one. Brandon's story is so relatable. Graduates college, thinks he has it all figured out, going to work in investment banking, and quickly realizes that it's not for him. It's not the job he dreamt of. It's not bringing him happiness. It's not bringing him fulfillment. And he decided to do a complete pivot and ended up starting his own clothing brand. So with that, enjoy. Brandon Snower, thanks so much for coming on the Bits of Gold podcast today. Thanks for having me. What's up, man? What's going on? I'm excited to share your story. I appreciate you reaching out. Yeah, so let's let's dive right in. What I usually like to do is take these back to the beginning. So where's the beginning for you? The very, very beginning is... I guess graduating from college a couple of years ago, 2019, it feels like forever, but <laughs> it's not that long. I moved to New York, graduated from Northwestern and worked right away. I think I had a month off between my graduation and when I started working in investment banking. And from there, it was nonstop work. I was enjoying it, but I still didn't have any experience in finance whatsoever. I didn't study finance in college. I didn't know what an income statement was before I graduated. So everything was new to me, but it was a big challenge. And I think that it's where I wanted to be and it's who I wanted to surround myself with that drove me and really wanted me to be excited and enthusiastic about it. So in college, I guess, how did you end up in investment banking or going that direction? Was it family that influenced you? Was it someone in in college? Was it friends or just kind of chance? So my dad was an entrepreneur, but he owned different things at different times. So I kind of saw him as, you know, some inspiration in the business world that I've always wanted to be a businessman. So I correlated that with, okay, what's the most business you can get? And that's finance. (laughs) And I think just like the culture of society, just growing up, as men, you know, I think it's just an extremely attractive environment. And that's kind of just all the things combined, just plus, you know, what my friends were doing, where they were going, 
um, you know, the guys that were older than me, they were all in finance. And, you know, you have this lifestyle and this kind of image that comes with the, the career choice. And I think that was really appealing to me at the beginning. What did you study in college? I studied something called learning and organizational change. What's that? <laughs> yeah, that's that's what everyone asks me about. So it's basically, I like to say it's understanding how organizations and people run and fit together to optimize, to become efficient, to really look at a company and an organization as a whole from the people side of things and from the teamwork side of things and say, okay, how can we make this company run smoothly and collaboratively? Got it. So given your dad was an entrepreneur, I guess, what did your dad or your family say when you decided to go the investment banking route post-college? And obviously, like that's a super respectful. You know, most people, if you're like, oh, I'm going to be working in investment banking after college, a lot of people probably, you know, praise that or just like, oh, that's awesome. That's very lucrative career path. And there's a lot of opportunity there. Yeah. I mean, my family is super supportive of me just really doing anything and putting my mind to it because they know I'm going to work really hard at it. But they didn't really know that much about investment banking or the banking world or finance in general. They had no idea how many hours I was going to work. They had no idea about the culture. So I was really kind of teaching them and telling them about it firsthand on what they could expect I was doing. Because I feel like, you know, with a lot of things, you know, especially early on, if you're looking at, you know, industries or if you're not really involved heavily in a certain industry, you have really no idea what's going on. I think that's that's what it was. And it kind of just, you know, went from me teaching them, I guess. <laughs> and yeah, that, myself also at the same time. <laughs> yeah, that, that makes sense. It's definitely, I would say in college, especially like, I think a lot of people or a good amount of people have no idea what they want to do. And that's totally cool. And then there's a good amount of people who are also like, I know exactly what I want to do. And they sort of approach it with this, like, this is exactly how I want my life to look, but they have no real world experience that relates to like actually doing that thing and seeing if they actually get enjoyment and fulfillment from it. And if it's something they actually enjoy on a day-to-day -day basis. Right. And that was me, you know, like I, I knew for sure my life and my career was going to be in finance. You know, it's just, I liked the culture. I liked kind of the perks and everything that came with it. And also just the challenge of me not knowing anything. I think all of that combined. And I also love, you know, what you got to wear with the loafers and nice shirts and the pants and the watches that you get, you know, obviously long-term that really appealed to me. And, and that's what I wanted. And I went in thinking, Hey, this is going to be my decision, my career for the rest of my life. And yeah, you know, your job. Out, it's complete opposite. <laughs> it's funny you say that too, because I know a handful of people, I guess, that are in the investment banking world, but like my idea of what their life looks like is like the fancy three-piece suits and the loafers and just wearing like a fancy suit to work. I have no idea what they actually, what they actually do on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah. And I think a lot of people don't, right? It's just the image outside is like, oh, you're, you're in finance. Here are all of the aspects that you are associated with. And that sounds really good, you know? Because you, yeah, yeah. people know you make a lot of money, and people know you have nice shoes, and you know you're you can afford a watch, and that is still prevalent. It's just okay now with all of that on the outside. What are you actually doing day to day? Are you enjoying it? 
Are you doing it because you're afraid to get out of it? Do you actually want to work that much? Do you want to go through all of those kind of like stresses and not, I wouldn't call it anxiety because I don't get anxious, but it was more of just like, it's so demanding that you learn really quickly. And if you don't, then you're out of luck because you better, you know? What do you like? I know it's probably not a one size fits all, but if you can speak to it, I guess, what did your life look like, I guess, as, as an investment banker on a day-to-day basis? Day-to-day, well, for me, I wanted to be the best. Like, I always want to be the best. That's just kind of who I am. I'm super competitive. So for me specifically, I was the first one to turn on the lights every day. I got in at 6 a.m. People didn't actually show up until like 8, 9. But I got in at 6. You know, I turned on the lights. I would do some work. I would learn about certain things. I would read. At that point, when I was starting out, you have to take all your your tests and your licenses. So I would study two, three hours before work. And then from 9 a.m. till 10 p.m., you're working really nonstop. I was working on a really demanding and small team. So it was really just me and my executive director, my boss. And we would just work on projects all day evaluating financial statements, going over like pro forma valuation and like debt analysis and like financial models, make a ton of presentations. I wasn't really, it was great because I wasn't really doing the generic rearranging logos and just waiting for stuff to happen. I was actually like involved very, very early and very much so every single day, which was a lot, but you know, looking back is extremely valuable. You get lunch, you go outside for 10 minutes, you bring it back, you eat at your desk. You don't spend more than like 10 minutes outside getting food. <laughs> You're on call basically. Like, like I have another buddy. I don't know if he's still working at the same company he was at, but he would like get a call on a Saturday or Sunday and he'd be working or like, it could be Thursday at 1am or Wednesday at 2am. Yeah. And if he gets a call or a message, he was like answering his, Oh yeah. His, the worst for me was, I mean, I would, I would go to the gym every day before work and I would get texts or calls while I'm at the gym, like mid session. And I'm like, and they're like, you got to come to the office. I'm like, shit, you know, like at 5am or at six. And they're like, where are you? I need you right now. I need you to print these documents or like, I need you to change this presentation before we send it out to the client within in like an hour, an hour and a half. And I'm all like, you know, I always lie to them. I'm saying, oh, I'm going to the office right now. I'm actually on my way, which, you know, I'm literally in like a tank top and shorts, you know, doing some bench press. Why is it so demanding? Is it just that that's the culture and that's how companies are like set up and organized? Or is that there's really that much work to get done? Or it's just like, that's the culture. And like, that's what you sign up for when you take that job. I think it's half and half. My experience, I had a really unique opportunity because you know, I was on a one person team, it was really just me and my manager. And from that point, it was really demanding, because we actually had a lot of work. And we had presentations every few weeks with clients. And these clients were massive, right? Like hundreds of billion dollar companies that were, I'm not presenting to, but I'm doing the analysis for and making the actual decks. But from a lot of my friends, it's a lot of just waiting around and and shit doesn't actually get done until like 5 or 6 p.m. 
and you're just waiting all day for work, you know? Yeah. So you're there, you're working, you have all this level of success, especially to the outside world. You have it all figured out. You have this dream job to many and you decide it's no longer for you. Take me back to that moment and I guess when when you really decided that it was time for change. Yeah, I thought I was crazy, to be honest. At the early onset, when I was getting these feelings, I was probably getting them six, six to eight months in to the job. After all my tests were done and I was kind of getting into the groove of things, I was like, do I really like this? You know, like, am I actually enjoying the work that I'm doing? Or is it just kind of me just going through the motions and kind of lying to myself. And every day it was, oh, I have to do this. Oh, like I have to get up and I have to do this. I have to go to work. My boss is calling me about this. I really don't care about it. And it's like, it becomes such a constant thought in your mind, or at least in my mind, every day it was getting worse and worse. I remember calling my dad and I'm like, like, I don't know if I really like this. And he was like, you've only been at it in, you know, for six months. And I was like, for me, I think I really know if I like something or not. And I, I genuinely don't see myself enjoying this for the next however many years of my life. And, you know, I kept sticking with it. I had the most positive attitude every single day. You know, I still was waking up at six. I was still turning on the lights no one had a clue. I didn't tell any of my friends. I didn't tell anyone I worked with. My boss had no idea that I wasn't enjoying it. I don't want to say like good of a facade it was, but that's like, you know, if I do something, I'm going to commit 120% to it. But every day it was just like, oh, another, another analysis, another presentation, another like kind of challenging financial like problem that I have to solve, like whoop de doo I feel like normally once that feeling starts to set in, typically I feel the the magnitude of, ah, this is so annoying, just continues to grow and grow. I'm curious if that was the case for you. Yeah, 100%. It grew every single day. The more that I saw my output of work, the quality wasn't there. To me, that sucks because as just a person in general, like my persona and who I am. I love a working, but two, like making really great work, right? Like the quality is always there when I do something. And if it's not, it bugs me a lot. So the fact that I saw mistakes here and there where two months ago, I didn't have those mistakes. And then my boss is, you know, what the hell? Like, what are you doing? Like, you're not thinking through about things. You're, you're not like putting the work in. I'm like, well, damn, like this is me. This is the problem and the process of someone who doesn't like doing what they're doing, but is sticking with it. So I yeah, think that, at, at that point, it was just, this is really not for me. And I have to figure out what I like. That makes sense. How long were you there for? I was there for a year total. So halfway at six months for the last six months, I was thinking, getting up every day, hating what I did. So- once you start deciding that this isn't for you anymore, what comes next? I start going on Google and researching like cool creative jobs or just jobs in general, right? Like for me, I've always reflected on myself and I said, okay, what am I good at? What do I think I'm good at? 
well, just I think I'm good at a lot of things, but what do I find a passion and interest for? Because I know if I find something that I'm interested in, then I'll be good at it, right? Like I was good at what I was doing at the bank and I hated it, right? If that shows me something, that just tells me how much I need to find something I love. And I was looking at project manager roles. I was looking at creative fields of like marketing and advertising and communications and branding. So I wanted something a little more where I could think outside the box and I can use colors because what I enjoyed most about when I was working in finance was I loved making the presentations. And that thought was really interesting for me. Like I was really good at, and I've always been really good at like designing stuff, whether in school, like making presentations, knowing what colors to use, the fonts, where to put the logo, like all these things. And, it, and it's like super basic concept. I'm like, well, how am I going to make money knowing what font to use? Right. And then that got me curious. Well, there's something called branding and like marketing. So I kind of just drew my attention there. Got it. So before we get into the pivot and what you start to focus on, how difficult was it to leave after a year to walk away from like a very clear path as it relates to your career trajectory, what you could be potentially earning and things like that? It was tough. I'm not going to lie. It's like, all right, you're making X amount of dollars per year and you have this like status and some would say like clout of like you having that having that prestige almost and like that status on your career choice of like, okay, you've made it right. Cause like you're in an industry where people are smart and people make a ton of money. So like now you're going from that to, okay, I have zero experience in what I want to do or potentially do. I still don't know yet. And is this actually the right choice to just drop everything that I've worked so hard for? Like I said, it it wasn't just like, me being in finance and working, it was like, I had to learn on my own what an income statement was. Like I had to work a hundred times harder than everyone else to get to where I was in the world that I was in. I didn't study finance, right? So it's like, I had to look at myself and say, all these days of turning the lights on at 6am, is that worth like me just like quitting? Like it was a tough decision. Yeah. Was there a tipping point or a conversation or something that you told yourself when you decided, okay, this is it. This is what I'm going to do. This is the decision I'm making. There's no turning back from here. I think just like having conversations with people that like you trust, like for me, it was like my dad and like my family members of like, am I going to regret it? And like, what's going to happen from here? And I think just having a ton of conversations every single day on like, all right, what's going to happen after I leave, right? Mm -hmm. Am I going to get a job? If I don't, what will happen, right? Like if I don't get another job that I enjoy, what will happen? Am I just going to be known to myself as a quitter or to other people as a quitter? I'm not a quitter. Like I know that about myself. So before you left, did you already decide that you're going to launch your own clothing brand? No, (laughs) that was like Uh, not even a thought. So you decide you're going to leave what was your plan at that point when you decided, hey, I'm going to I'm going to leave? So like the last, I want to say like three months before I left, I was working obviously at the bank, but I was also interviewing at places, finding out what I actually 
could possibly like. It didn't mean that I had to love it and make the career choice for the rest of my life because I already knew that you can pivot and you can change. But I was applying to digital marketing agencies, some branding agencies that worked with just building brands and helping them kind of understand who they are as a company. And I knew I could do it. But that was also another challenge of like, people saw me as this investment banker who worked in a cubicle. How are you going to understand what brands like? So that was like a real difficult pivot. I'm curious, was there something specifically that your dad told you towards the end when you decided that you're going to make this change or going to leave that like gave you the confidence or gave you the boost to ultimately make the decision? Or was it just an accumulation of all the conversations you had that you were like, I'm ready, I'm ready to make this change? Yeah, I think it was an accumulation. It was a process. And then it was just me, I think, having the confidence. And I think every single person should have this kind of mentality. It will help in life just more than. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how get 30, how get 20, 20, 20, how get 20, 20, how get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Just quitting or just doing something like this for a job is having the confidence in yourself to say, I know I could do whatever I put my mind to, right? And it's like, for me, I've always had the support and kind of realization in my life. If I put my mind to something, I'm going to do it, right? And I'm going to do it really well because like I know myself. And it's like, all right, if I leave investment banking and I don't have a job, what's the worst that could happen? I just get another job, right? And I keep doing it. And I know I'm going to work my ass off and be better than other people. Not like that, better than other people, but like, you know, like rise up the ranks and, and prove my, my abilities. So that's kind of just, just that slow build and just saying myself, I got it. What's the worst that could happen? Like, let's do it. Yeah, absolutely. I think also, you know, one of the things I get from your own story is, you know, the idea of like no golden handcuffs, you know, no matter what you're doing especially the longer you stay at something or persist with something, typically, you know, there is some alignment in terms of the longer you're working at something, the more money you're going to make, but change is okay. And eventually, you know, if that thing that you're doing isn't the fulfilling thing you want it to be, or the fulfilling thing anymore in your life, it's okay to embrace change. And even it's okay to take a step backwards or two steps backwards to put yourself in a position to be able to take three steps, four steps, five steps forward. Right. I think that that's, you know, a really important thing. And I think it only gets more challenging because, you know, like maybe if you stayed in investment banking for a decade and you're making 
significantly more money than you were making from the start, making that change would be even scarier, even more difficult. But that change is is okay because you don't want to be in that position where you wake up at 50 and you're like, wow, I just put the last three decades of my life to this thing. And yeah, I have all this money, but I hate my day to day or it's not worth it or it's not what I really wanted. Right, right. And 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 there's a quote that I I don't know if it's like an actual quote and but that someone said, but like I kind of just thought about it one day and I, you know, it's on the phone in my background. If you don't struggle, you can't grow. Right. So yeah, it's like absolutely. I'm not saying like you should quit every second, right? Like it's not quitting, it's trying out something, it's struggling, it's feeling that pain of like waking up and hating what you're doing or just like not making enough money every day and and struggling and and having to like figure out exactly what you want to do in life it's that pain it's that struggle where you take that one step back but you also are going to take two steps forward 6 months a year however long it takes you from now to do yeah and i think it's absolutely. all that journey of like you know i haven't had a real job in 2 years but like it took me one year of going backwards to take two years to go forwards. And that two years, I'm not even a forward of where I want to be. It's like all this like process. I think people are scared or maybe are hesitant to take that one step back. hundred percent. So how do you decide you're going to launch a clothing brand? Oh my God. So I didn't have a job. So like, COVID hit 2020, I quit. And if that didn't tell you the confidence I had in myself, I don't know what does. I literally quit during the pandemic <laughs> and trying to pivot into an industry that I had zero experience during a pandemic. So no one was hiring. And I knew I had the skill set, you know, internally, not on paper, to do anything I wanted. So I kind of just thought one day I was like, Hey, I want to buy like a really nice shirt. Like it was just a random day. And I always love this kind of like Gordon Gecko of like the contrast collar look, but I hated formal shirts, but I love button downs. And so I tried to find it. It didn't exist anywhere online. You know, I was looking all over the globe, all over the internet for like a week straight, just trying to find this like white collar with like a blue color, but it was like an Oxford casual shirt. Couldn't find it. And indirectly, I was looking at all these different brands, you know, their website, their Instagram. And I said to myself, it was kind of a light bulb that hit me. And it was like, well, all these brands kind of suck. In terms of like me being a 23 year old at the time, I'm looking at guys that are 40 and 50 wearing a button down, looking nice for a picture, but that was it, right? It was like, kind of, I was looking at the same stuff every single second. And I was like, well, why can't this be like really cool, fun and hip, you know, and kind of swaggy. So I was, that's when it kind of hit me. It was like, maybe I should start a clothing brand. So, so you have this idea, what comes next? I look online on Google and I was like, how do I start a clothing brand? <laughs> Like, seriously, I knew zero information about anything. And it was super casual. I was like, am I going crazy right now? I always ask myself, am I going crazy in terms of 
the steps that I take to do something outside of my comfort zone where it's like, oh, like I wanted to quit investment banking, something that was like so sought after and so important to a lot of people. I was like, well, I'm going to quit, you know, like that's a nutty thought. And then it's like, well, I'm going to quit during a pandemic. Is that crazy? And then it's like, all right, I'm going to start a clothing brand. That's also kind of nuts. Like, how are you going to do that? I was just waking up. I remember I was so enthusiastic. Like I've never been as enthusiastic about something in my life. And I was like, I had this idea. I had the designs. They're all in my head. Right. And it's like, I know exactly what I wanted. And it's funny how what I'm doing right now is exactly what I pictured when I knew nothing in 2020, Mm. but took two years to get there. And I looked online, how do I start a clothing brand? And then it led to all these like fashion terms that I had no idea, like what's a supplier. And like looking back on it, it's like, well, a supplier is like literally like fashion 101 if you go to fashion school. And you didn't know it. How are buttons made? How do you make a shirt? Where do you even find someone that could make a shirt? You know, how much does it cost? How much money do I need? And like every article kept building on itself. All right, now I actually need to know this. And then it goes to, oh, I don't know that. I don't know that. Oh, I need a website. How do I build a website? You know, like it's just like one after the other. It was like I was so overwhelmed, but I was also like so excited because it was another challenge of this opportunity that I had no idea about that I could really conquer. And I think I could have, and I'm trying to still like create something that's never been done before. So did you ever make like a formal plan or did you look at like an analysis of how you're going to make money or things like that? Or you just were focused on building the brand first? I was all brand building. Like to me, if you don't have a brand, then you don't have anything. So it's like, well, like, you know, obviously that's a a vague statement, but to me, like branding's everything. I looked at companies till this day of how they are building their brand and how they've built their brands. And it's no question to me that if you only focus on products, I don't think you can succeed at the magnitude and scale that I always envision that I'm still envisioning. Everyone is a brand. And so I thought, okay, what are the colors going to be, right? What fonts are going to be most associated with my brand? How am I going to actually speak to people? What's the imagery in the video going to look like? What's the website going to look like? So everything, even now to this day, is like so brand focused. If you look at my website, it's like on point of like every single color, font, style, format that you could possibly imagine because that's how I think. So yeah, I had no plan. I had no money. And I said, okay, let's do this. And then as I started to research, I think a big thing that separates or that could separate a lot of brands from success and not success is the research that you put into what you're doing, right? Like everything stems back from investment banking. That's why I'm so happy. And that's why I always reiterate, you need to try new things and you need to struggle right? Like what I learned from investment banking is that I could really do anything because I didn't know what an income statement was. And then again, I'm the first person in my class at the bank to pass all of my tests. Mm. Right. And it's like, to me that like building of like, 
just character and like work ethic is like, all right, well, so what? I didn't know finance. I didn't know clothing either. Right. So it's like, I know I could do this. I just have to put in the work to do it. Yeah. When did you formally launch? So I launched a like a proof of concept uh, February 7th or February 11th of last year, 2021. So it took me a year to find a, a factory to actually like figure out the fit and the buttons and the fabric. And I launched on a super small scale. I think it was like 50 shirts. So you were just trying to prove that people would buy them. Exactly. Like my my concept was like, I've always wanted to like be this like massive brand and I still do. Like when I tell people about it, like people think, you know, like, you know, they nod their heads and they shake. Yeah. But like, I want to be like, like so big that like you're in awe that it's that big. And I've always had the vision, but it was like, all right, I need to actually test this concept before I could do that. And in order to do that, I'm going to have to raise money and I can't raise money without data and a concept. So it's like, I launched with 50 products. I learned so much. I spent so much money of my own savings from the bank that looking back on it, I probably could have saved tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah. What would you say was like the biggest lesson in that early point of when you first launched just to prove the concept? It's really just like, don't, I think I was just like trying to do everything and anything that anyone told me they were right. And it's like, no, like, even though I don't have any experience, I still have to consider my opinions because that's what's going to create this big, massive brand in five years, hopefully. So it's like, I have to trust myself, but I also, I also have to like evaluate and assess everything that I do. And is it the right decision to make? And also while not being an analysis paralysis. So it's like, I found a factory in India for this you know, proof of concept that at the time was great. He taught me everything, but the garments cost so much money to make, like five times more than what I'm paying for now. The team was like three people. It was like a super bespoke, custom-made kind of team. And I was like trying to have it be this like scalable business. Mm. And it wasn't. And the quality was like, okay. I didn't know that at the time. I thought it was great. But we sold out. We sold out in like a week. Yeah, that makes sense. So now you're you're in the business for about a year now. Where where are you at today? We launched our like final version of our product. Like it's like an official launch. We have factories in Portugal that are some of the best in Europe. We've perfected our fit. We've perfected our fabric. Our branding is obviously like will always be an iterated and growing process. And we're selling like every single day, like people are placing orders and we're making new collections. When I say we, I I mean, I and the brand, (laughs) it's still a one man show. Do you have any contractors or the business is really just you at this point? It's really just me. You know, like when we did our photo shoots, you know, obviously we need models and a photographer and a videographer. So like those things like have to be outsourced, but in terms of like, fulfillment, right? Like I have a million boxes in my apartment. I'm going to the post office and delivering it. I am like actually posting on Instagram and figuring out like our strategy. I'm reaching out to influencers. I'm actually designing the emails and the creative. I'm designing the clothes. I'm finding the new factories that we're partnering with. 
you know, like everything is, is through me, but like, we're at a stage where like, you know, I do want to have people on the team. I want to grow. I want to lead. I want to learn. And it's a slow process. And I just have to continue to go at it every day. Yeah, that makes sense. Did you guys raise any money or at this point you're just bootstrapped? We did. So I was able to raise a decent amount of capital in order to have a purchase order scalable enough to actually, you know, generate revenue and to show investors, you know, for hopefully a seed round, like, you know, this is what we've done. These are analytics. This is our customer base. This is our, this is our AOV. So like everything's looking long-term, but it's not enough on a livable like wage or like, you know, it's not like a crazy amount where it's like millions and millions of dollars. You know, it's one step at a time. Yeah. yeah. You're still in, in the infancy of business, really proving out that you have you know, yeah. a long-term play here. And we just launched, we literally just launched last week on our website. <laughs> Got it. So if someone's going to your site, what would be the one thing you want them to leave with to know about the brand of why they should buy it, buy a shirt and try your brand out? I think it's just being part of a community and club that's different than anything that's out there. Like what we're trying to achieve is create a new vibe and aesthetic relevant to just people that felt like they aren't a part of something cool, fun, and like elegant, you know, like in the way that streetwear does it. And so I think going to the site, you'll see that like fun playfulness, but you'll also see this like very cool, sophisticated swagger that I think makes us so unique with like an attitude of we are who we are. And like, we're continuing to develop as human beings, as guys, as men, as women, to just live our lifestyle to the way that we want and do it the way we want. How do you come up with the name and what's the meaning behind the name of the business? So Alfred, the name Alfred, I've always liked. It's very British and it kind of reminded me as a butler, you know, like Alfred, I think was the butler in, in Batman. So I wanted to like make it a little more elevated. So what more elevated and sophisticated than being French? <laughs> so I added the lay and just made it sound really nice off the tongue. And so Lay Alfrey and then Alfrey, which is, you know, the name of our logo kind of personifies this like brand image of who we want to be and, and where we want to go, you know, five, 10 years down the road, right? Like he embraces everything that we stand for, whether it's style, attitude, persona, you know, he is what we aspire to be. And I think Alfred and the brand encompasses that ambition and that kind of elegance all at the same time. Have you spoken to any of your previous coworkers, bosses, team members from investment banking world? Now that you've launched, I'm curious if they've said anything to you about you know your your new business here. Yeah, I mean they're they're super excited. I think a lot of them, well, a lot of them have told me they're in awe that I'm able to do what I've I've been doing and what I've achieved just because it's so different of worlds like fashion. Imagine like having this like brain of like fashion and Vogue-esque and GQ-esque, but then you worked in an environment where it's not like that at all, right? Yeah. It's you're looking at financial statements, you're working in Excel all day. You know, you're not looking at, Oh, does this color match? these pants, 
you know, like you could, if you want to go to work and you care about that, but like people, you know, that's not the, the core competency of, of the job of the career. Yeah. A hundred percent. It's pretty funny, but like, they all love it. Like a lot of the customers are guys in finance just because, you know, they love the story, but they also love the garments and it exudes that lifestyle. And I think a lot of inspiration comes from that, but it's also comes from, you know, this British style and this French style and this kind of New York swagger and streetwear that, you know, I'm kind of combining. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Well, we can start to wrap up this episode. The Bits of Gold podcast is all about facing adversity, building your dream life. With that being said, what would be your bits of gold and how to build a life you love? I think really just trying it and just doing it. You know, I think that's super cliche, but I think if you don't try and have the willingness to fail or to at least consider yourself as someone who could potentially do what is in your mind, like you're never going to get there if you don't. So I think just having, it's all the mentality. It's all speaking to people who are supportive and who will give you like a very positive outlook of what you could achieve and just starting small and just building from it. Love it. Where can our listeners connect with you um, and also find find your product if they want to give it a shot? Yeah. So I'm on LinkedIn, Brandon Snower. You know, I always share my stories and kind of share behind the scenes of growing pains of the business. I'm super out there and super transparent about it. And then, you know, Instagram for the, the company is lay.alfrey. And then our website is layalfrey.com. That's where you can purchase and I'll personally ship it out to you. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, I love your podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Bits of Gold podcast. If you liked this episode, please take a minute, share with a friend, subscribe, and leave a review on Apple iTunes podcast. It would really mean the world and it really helps the show grow. With that, have an awesome week and enjoy. I love your podcast. This is gold. This is where it's at. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.